You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Greetings, ugly bags of mostly water. Alan Seiler. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what to say after that. (laughs) This is why I don't drink hard cider. I don't need to. (laughs) And Veronica Daschle. Hi. All right. Well, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> off the rails before the intro is done. It would be great. Whatever. We were oh, yeah. off the rails before you started talking. All right. Well, while I'm thinking about it, we're going to be part of the Captain Picard Week Podcast Festival coming up uh, February 24th through March the 2nd. And there's a whole list of podcasters who are participating. Uh, we'll be going on live uh, March the 1st at 8 p.m. Um, and I, I believe we'll be able to record this and put it out later as a podcast if we choose to. So that hope for that. But catch us live if you can, because it's interactive. And you can join in. Our topic is TNG on the silver screen, John Luke's legacy on film. So we'll be talking about uh, Captain Picard uh, as the film character and how maybe he differed from the series, what they did right, what they did wrong. It should be a lot of fun. So check out the Captain Picard Week podcast festival. A lot of great shows involved, and we're thrilled to be a part of it. That is going to be a fun one. That is going to be fun. Yeah, what you said, Charles, I like is when you compare and contrast the series when it goes to the movies, because there's always changes. Oh, yeah. And how does that affect the character? Sometimes they go really big compared to the show. Absolutely. So now I'm thinking of Picard with the, with the Tommy gun. <laughs> right. <laughs> Punching Borgs. Yes. <laughs> All right, Alan, do we have uh, some news this week? Holy cow, do we have some news this week? First of all, the big news, Paramount announced that it is finally going into production on the fourth film in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek series starring Chris Pine, right? Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Zoe Saldana, Carl Urban, John Cho and Simon Pegg. Wow. Actually, they announced that they're about to go into negotiations (laughs) with the lead actors, but they seem pretty certain of the outcome because they're saying that this uh, film is going to be starring or starting to go into production by the end of this year. Abrams said the film would be featuring our original cast and some new characters that I think are going to be really fun and exciting and help take Star Trek into areas areas that you've not seen before. Abrams is producing the new as yet untitled film through Bad Robot, of course, with Matt Shackman, uh, who was the director on WandaVision, is directing it, which that got announced um, a few months ago. With a screenplay by Josh Friedman, who uh, is from Avatar 2, and Cameron Squires, also from WandaVision, based on an earlier draft by Geneva Robertson Dwaret. I shouldn't have hard outsider either because I can't pronounce that name. Anyway, <laughs> so there you go. Star Trek 4 is about to happen. More Abrams verse. Yeah, it was weird because the announcement, you know, I saw it when you posted it, but then, yeah, reading it, it says, like you said, they're about to go into <laughs> negotiations. And I'm like, so is it? happening they're announcing right. it so, right exactly um, i don't know i've 
the the Star Trek four train has started and stopped so many times. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait <laughs> before I get too excited. But I would I would yeah. like to see Star Trek on the big screen again. Even my my preference is Star Trek on television. But I think getting out on the big screen where people can see it and get excited about it and maybe then yes. go to Paramount Plus, I think is an important thing to do. Absolutely, especially if the 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 film carries trailers for the Paramount Plus raft of shows. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's the best vehicle to to deliver that message i think mm-hmm. so they're adding new characters and of course we lost check off very mm-hmm. sadly yeah. um so i would i think it would be i don't i doubt this is the direction they're going to go but i would love to see like a live action big screen erics i oh, would like to see yeah. mores yeah you know i would i just want to see something different you know I, I think that'd be super exciting but in this film because it's the Abrams universe, they would be in love. Eric's yes. and Maress. <laughs> Probably so. Uh, y'all know some I'm saying a whole lot here. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, we know. We know. <laughs> um, next story is uh, Paramount did Investors Day event, uh, which was, I think, Tuesday. I don't remember. Uh, and they released, well, on at the event, they displayed a series of images from the upcoming Strange New Worlds. Uh, which included detailed shots of the bridge. It showed characters at uh, duty stations and showed a female Vulcan character in shot with Spock. So, Chuck, I know you've got some things to say about this. Yeah, it's Paramount seems to just be intent on creating their own PR problems. My, <laughs> right. Like I was at work when this was going on and then commuting home from Atlanta. So I, I was finding out about this after the fact. But my understanding is there's this big event. It's like an online thing. It's an investor's event, really, but it's accessible to the public. So there's a public accessible link and then there's an investor accessible link. And some of the some yeah. of the, prom- the promotional material was available to everybody. And some of it was blacked out on the on the public link because it was mm-hmm. only for the investors. But the Strange New Worlds trailer was on uh, visible to the public. So websites got excited. They're posting screen caps like you do when there's a new trailer. Right. And then Paramount uh, just started slapping everybody with copyright notices. Uh, the big A big Star Trek website, Trek Central, got their Twitter account suspended over it, which I, I checked today and they're back up now. But um, oh, that's good. But everyone was sort of blindsided because it, 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 it's, right. it's, it, this wasn't like dark web people. You know, this is just like <laughs> legitimate fan sites and things who were shown the trailer and mm-hmm. posting about yeah. it like you do. Right. That's what the trailer's for. You know, yeah, totally. Everyone's excited about it. So but of course, Paramount can't leave that alone. <laughs> right, right, I, right. Now I've read that the replay that you can watch now, the Strange New Worlds trailer is blacked out. Yes, it which, is. I mean, it's possible that they didn't intend for that to be visible to the public. Someone made. Oh, I'm, I'm certain that that's the case. Well, I think I'm so certain too. that that was only for investors. Right. And, you know, someone flipped the wrong switch. Trek Central wasn't supposed to have right. access to it. But I mean, <laughs> once it's out there, it's not right there. The fans fault that it's out no, there. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> and at this point, just put the trailer out. Yeah. Just release, just release it. it. Yeah. I mean, all. Oh, no, everyone's getting excited now. They're supposed to get excited yeah. next oh. week. You know, <laughs> oh, we better we better stop that. Yeah. So I. Yeah. Just because the whole thing annoys me. I've just been posting as much stuff on my own Facebook as possible yes. that I can find and, from it. <laughs> and I am greatly appreciative of that. <laughs> <laughs> Scouring the Web for every every image right. out there just to thumb my nose at them. But um, there you go. Yeah, I, it's just silly. It's the same kind of thing that they did with the discovery. I mean, it's I mean, it, yeah. it is their trailer. It's their IP. It's their right to do that. Just like it's their right to say, oh, tomorrow 
Discovery is not going to launch in Australia, like we said. Sorry. That's their right. It's just not a very good decision, I don't think. No. I think I, I think I think the, the the one of the things that you're you're pointing out, Chuck, is that no matter what Star Trek ends up being, it's something that was in the end of the day kind of owned and and care, caretakered by the fans, and we still think of it as kind of ours, our property. So when yeah. you do stuff like that, as you said, like they always say, Hollywood's a business. But when you do stuff like that, it does feel like a slap in the face for people who genuinely love property and have for so long. Well, if you've got this trailer and and you've let it get out to you know fans by mistake, just mm-hmm. let it go. Yeah, right. I mean, what's a matter of days between when you were planning to release it to the public and you know, just put it out? And it's seriously, ridiculous. having anybody get anything suspended over that—that's that's awfully draconian. Yeah. No, that's a Doctor Who alien. That's the wrong show. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so uh, on Wednesday, the disco cast and crew did a live chat on Twitter spaces, and I did not get to see it. Um, I took my lunch break uh, right around that time, but it was a little too late, so I didn't get to see any of it. But Mark, I mean, sorry, Mick Jost of Cinema Blend did get to because Cinema Blend was the uh, were the moderators of it. And he asked Michelle Paradise about the Species 10C mystery. And this is her response. It's hard to answer that question without giving any spoilers for the episodes to come. So I will be deliberately vague, except to say that it has been quite a journey and was very interesting for us in the writer's room to create a species somewhat unlike anything we'd seen and to build a mystery around that species. I can say that in the episodes to come, yes, we will learn more and the mystery will only deepen. I will say that it's very unlike anything we've done on the show before, and it's unlike a species we've ever seen before. It felt important to us to really dig deep with that and to explore that in a way that felt right for the show and right for Trek specifically. Interesting. So we're would, in for something interesting. Yeah, I would love it if it was just some weird alien. Like I was kind of speculating last week that it was like the a, a plot thread from a previous show. But if it was just like a like the aliens in the arrival or something like that, just some weird alien species, I would love that. Mm-hmm. Well, you might get your wish. You never know. I hope so. I was originally thinking it was going to be the androids, but if it's nothing you've no. ever seen before. Yeah. Right. Can't, can't be somebody brought back or somebody right. we've talked about before. Exactly. Think, we'll see. They'll exactly. say that, and then it'll be the Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> the, it'll be the Klingons, the, unlike the anything you've Klingons. ever seen before. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking so of Klingons, Michael Dorn has talked for at least a decade now about wanting to do a Wharf series. A few years ago, Marina Sirtis said that she'd love to see a war series as well, and that Trek has never done a show with a Klingon as the lead. They have now been joined by Colm Meany, who, of course, played the most important character in the Star Trek universe, <laughs> according to Lower Decks. He is the most important man in the universe. Yep. And uh, he has not only said that he would love to see a Worf show, but he would be up for appearing in it. Sweet. So we might have, you know, a Wharf series with Chief O'Brien. Wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be awesome. I would watch that. Yep. I would watch the heck out of that. Yeah. I mean, they can just be talking heads. I'm good with that, too. (laughs) The band? Well, it would have to be no. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't I make that joke? (laughs) That was a perfect setup. (laughs) 
Um, I mean, it should it'd probably be an animated show because I doubt Dorn wants to get back in the makeup. But <laughs> hey, he said for the money, he will. He won't do it for the money. The money's right. not there, but for the, with the money's right, he will. Exactly. So that's the that's the roundup of the news this week. If they have Worf and O'Brien on a show, I could see a weird. They could do a comedic take where basically Worf is always quote unquote taking the ship out every week, and then every week he brings it back, and O'Brien has to fix it, and he's always complaining <laughs> about it. Like, like, a, like an odd couple on a runabout. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. I would watch that. Or, yes. Or taxi in the 24th century. Perfect. Taxi. Meet Louie, Louie and Jim. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. We got some This Week in Trek this week, Keith. Yeah. Uh, got a couple of things here. Um, birthdays. Uh, I used to do deaths, but I'm trying not to do deaths because that's a little depressing. And then they were born at some point in time. So I'll wait till they were born. Um, <laughs> Good plan, I think. I like yeah. that. <laughs> the first one is uh, a big one. February 13th, 1932. I couldn't think of, oh, they appear to be highly intelligent species. And I know that's not going to give you any kind of clue. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll follow up. The rejoinder to that was, you must forgive her, Captain. She spent her life growing up around aging scientists. Oh, yeah, that's um. Oh my gosh, I just went. I just went blank on her name. It's Vina. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. Oh, right, right, right. And her um, real name is right. I Oof, I don't know it. Yeah, I do, Susan but I don't Oliver. know it right now. There you go, Susan Oliver. Yeah, yeah. She was born on February thirteenth, nineteen thirty-two. Wow. We've, we've talked about her before for a lot of things. She was. Not only a memorable character, but we talked about the fact that she was a pilot, mm-hmm. literally almost died in a, in a passenger plane that dropped thousands of feet in a couple of minutes, scared her so badly that a couple of years later, she decided she'd get over her fear of flying, became a pilot, commercial pilot, prop pilot, um, actually set a record for female pilots at the time. Just, just a fascinating character. I've read a lot about her. I haven't really seen anything about her, but she's someone I think sometimes, as much as people know her as Vina and the green Orion slave girl, I think there's so much more to be delved into about her life because she's just a fascinating woman. Yeah, we need to do a a podcast about that documentary sometime because it's supposed to be a really interesting documentary. Oh, yeah. I'd love to do that. Um, This is a funny one because there is no no impersonation I can do on this. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. On February 13th, 1966, Lieutenant Hawk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, McDonough. Now, am I wrong? Did he not even have a speaking line in that movie? He played yeah, Lieutenant he did. Hawk. Did he? Did yeah. he say anything? Sure. I don't remember him saying anything. I remember looking to. cool. <laughs> I mean, but sometimes was, that's uh, all you need, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Neil McDonough, another. I think he's just a great actor. He's he's done a, a variety of things. Uh, I wish he had a bigger role in in the Star Trek First Contact, but uh, he played he, Lieutenant. There was Hawk a bigger it. role in the novelization. Mm-hmm. Oh. He was he was covered more in the in the book. Okay, but I need to read that. Not that that has anything to do with the actor, but you know. yeah. <laughs> um, Valentine's Day, February fourteenth, nineteen seventy. One Simon Pegg. Hey. Oh, okay. nice. Right. I don't know his birthday yeah. is on the 14th. Yeah, you guys are just talking about um, the new Star Trek. Well, Star Trek Four that may happen. And then there's a whole question about will they bring the things back? But one of the things I find interesting, because I've read and heard so many times, is as we know, Simon Pegg helped write Star Trek Beyond. Mm-hmm. He is 100% interested in coming back and doing that again and writing oh, yeah. and being 
super involved in the creative process. Yeah, so that would well, be yeah. kind of nice. I'd love Floor to see him written by that. somebody else. So, oh, that's why he was I'm waiting until five, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Sorry, uh, sorry. <laughs> one. Let's see. I got one. I got one more day, and it's all on this day, February fifteenth. 1942. Now, this is going to be a weird because this is completely subjective. The prettiest woman in guest star in Star Trek history. And boy, does that narrow it down. Yeoman Barrows. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? That doesn't narrow it down to anything. Okay, I'm going to do something really corny. To love you, to kiss you, to hug you. I know y'all get that. No, clearly no. <laughs> Are you doing Helen Noel? <laughs> no, but you're oh, right. you're doing Andrea the... the robot. That's it. I'm just going Sherry... on a list with the prettiest women. <laughs> right. Sorry. <laughs> that was Sherry Jackson. Okay. Who played, you're right, Andrea the robot, born on February fifteenth, nineteen forty-two. Yeah, I was doing. I was badly doing the line at the end when she expresses her love for Roger Corby yeah. because yeah. Kirk okay. had kind of turned on her feelings. <laughs> Uh, legendary guest star. Also, yes. William, how do you pronounce his last name? William Weir Tice. Tice. Yeah. One of his most memorable costumes that he. Yeah, had. that's an iconic costume. Yeah, it absolutely is. I I think so. One more, two more. February fifteenth, nineteen fifty-five. Um, here we go again. My, let's see. Everyone calls me. Okay, I can't remember. Oh, everyone calls me Castillo. My mother calls me Richie. Oh, yeah. That's what's his name? Uh, McDonald? Um, that's it. Yesterday's Chris? Enterprise? Yes. Yesterday's what? Enterprise. Christopher what's McDonald. Christopher. Yeah, okay. That's right. Yeah. 1955, he was born. And personal opinion, my top three TNG episodes. I hmm. love Yesterday's Enterprise. Yeah. And then the last one, also born on February 15th. And I apologize because I got I put the death date, not the birth date. Uh, Cliff Bowles. Okay. Mm-hmm. The legendary Cliff Bowles, the the director, the guy for whom the Boolean race was named, mm. uh, just famous in the Star Trek world. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for that. All right, we'll take a we'll take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show, and then when we come back, we'll get into our discussion topic. So stay right there. Nerd Bliss. What is Nerd Bliss? Nerd Bliss is a pop culture podcast for passionate people. Join Chris, Tina, Eric, and Heath as they talk about popular movies, TV shows, and whatever's current in the news. And we might even have a few laughs along the way. Find us at nerdblisspodcast.com or esonetwork.com. All right, so welcome back to Earth Station Trek. And uh, as you know, if you're a regular listener, we tend to try and do a question of the week at the end of each episode. But uh, we got one submitted to us from a good friend of ours, Matt Sweatman, who sent us kind of a two-part question. And we thought it was so good that we wanted to make it our main discussion topic for this week. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, it's two questions. They're related to each other. And I'm going to give you the first question first, and then we'll switch to the second question. The first one is, what is the most accurate prediction of the future that Star Trek ever made? Sliding doors. 
<laughs> that's and, okay. The sliding doors aren't very said, common now. I was going to say said, sliding doors were around at the time, though. I'm sure. <laughs> and as we said, for the future, Maybe. we meant we mean our time. So Star Trek in the '60s, producing or predicting yeah. modern times technology. Yeah, yeah. We have. Um, Cell phones. I would, I would well, say flip yeah. phones specifically. Yep. The flip first one that springs good. to my mind is that everyone has a desktop com- desktop computer with a little little uh, multicolored disc that goes inside it. And <laughs> in the eighties, I mean, that was just regular PC technology, or in the nineties even. Yeah. You know, you, everyone had those desktop computers that look very similar to the Star Trek monitors, mm-hmm. and yep. then little multicolored discs were everywhere. You know. Hey, one thing we haven't got to yet is is our food being multicolored cubes. <laughs> Not yet. I, I can live without that one. So, <laughs> I think one thing that they got right, and I by no means can say they were the first, but they were. I watched a lot of science fiction movies and TV shows back in the day. More than any science fiction show I can think of, they had voice activated systems. Mm-hmm. More than yeah. anything. Yeah, I can yeah think good of, point. But, Talking yeah. to the computer, the computer talking back, you know, telling the computer what to do. Because I, I think about everything from Land of the Giants to um, uh, Star uh, to Lost in Space to Forbidden Planet and stuff. Almost no one had voice activated computers on the yeah. level that Star Trek had. So mm-hmm. I think that's a big one that came true. Yeah. Like we now have smart speakers where you can't even watch television if somebody says Alex or Alexa because it mm-hmm. gets your smart speaker going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Star Trek predicted Alexa. Mm-hmm. Or Star Absolutely. Trek did it, and then they're like, hey, why is it Oh, yeah, around? I mean, that's that's how a lot of this <laughs> stuff goes. So on that topic, I mean, you've got Geordi's visor. Mm-hmm. Because of Geordi's visor, there were people who were developing implants for blind people that would send a, you know, a signal to your brain and could be interpreted by the brain. And as far as I know, it never got past um, basic geometric shapes, but that's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And they talk about about like you when uh, 3D printers, they, they talk about the replicator oh. a lot like that's on our way there, you know, and yeah. um, absolutely. And even VR, they talk about the holodeck a lot. You get a lot of comparisons between you know, we, it's going to be like a holodeck one day. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I think definitely iPads. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and touchscreen touchscreen displays, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both of those things uh, were so prominent on next gen particularly and mm-hmm. i mean look where we are now what's funny about that is when you look at sometimes how they get it so right they get it so wrong the the alan the biggest joke about the pads is how someone would be like studying three subjects and they'd have three pads oh, i know that. yeah that yeah. Was yeah. yeah that's true joke. that's true <laughs> yeah, our cisco will have you know 17 pads on his desk because he has so much paperwork to do <laughs> exactly exactly which is hilarious because it, it's sort of the the analogy of you know, like a student who's studying and they have a pile of books next right, to them. Right. So you have to have a pile of pads to make yeah. it look like they're doing a lot of work. Right. But yeah, but if your boss had 17 iPads on their desk, you're like, what are you, are you selling iPads now? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you That's wasting crazy. government money <laughs> spending? Are we getting a gift? That's what I was saying. Right. Yeah. Boss yeah. Christmas iPads. Hey, one of those free yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so what else? Uh, something else that they, they, they weren't the first by any means, but something else I think that they focused on that is a big topic today is, um, I, I was actually not thinking of Khan. I was thinking of Dr. Bashir, but it's genetically engineered individuals or mm-hmm. is genetic engineering mm-hmm. because we're dealing with that in real life right now where, you know, we, everything from 
genetically modified foods to, in this specific case, um, not just doping athletes, but looking at genetically modifying people. For example, personal thing in my family, type 2 diabetes is a big deal, very common, in especially African-American families. And I remember talking to a friend of mine one day and he's like, well, genetic engineering, we we're talking about Star Trek. He said, it's just wrong. You should never modify a human being. And I was like, dude, if you can genetically modify me and promise me it's safe where I could eat ice cream for the rest of my life and never worry about the sugar, I'd do it tomorrow. Yep. And I there would you go. And I would cure my nearsightedness. Yep. Of course, but then listen to what I just said. I cure my type 2 diabetes and then I cure my nearsightedness. And then I like to run a little faster. And what the Star <laughs> yep. Trek always says, when do we right? stop? When yeah. would I stop? And when would you sure. say, uh, Keith, you're going a little far? <laughs> I'd go full mm-hmm. Bashir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're still dealing with that today. And there's still all kinds of, um, I sometimes because of Star Trek, I look into a lot of things like medical ethics. We still mm-hmm. don't have this kind of down. Just last year, in the news, there was a Chinese scientist who I'm thinking I might have heard about. He had supposedly genetically, he had done some genetic engineering on a couple of embryos and implanted them on a woman and she had babies. Mm. And mm. I forget what he had cured. But he had cured maybe the HIV virus. Wow. I think that was it. I may be completely wrong, but the bottom line is this guy genetically engineered some children and then they had, um, they went to term. And that was a huge, huge problem in a medical committee. Right. Because if he did that, there's a bunch of people saying we can never do that again. But we're talking about sometimes countries like China and Russia and frankly, some parts of the United States. And that's the question is, do we ever genetically engineer people? Mm. And where do you draw the line? Again, like if you yeah. don't want your kids to have diabetes or genetically engineer cancer out, nobody's going to argue. But if you just say, well, my kid's nearsighted and I want a genetically engineer that we never have to wear glasses. Is that OK? Yeah. What do you do? Right, exactly. Do rescue workers get? Yeah. Do you rest? Do do rescue workers get genetically engineered where they don't need as much oxygen as other people? Do we genetically engineer athletes where we just have supermen and women beating each other up and we pay for it? <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole future that could come from that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a prediction of Star Trek's that I feel like never really came true until the last year or so is that you know on Star Trek people are always talking to each other on screens. Always. And mm. my whole life, I was like, you know, the technology's been there. You have, you know, those old video phones they tried to sell. And then they had right. the technology through the internet where people, and some people did it and some people didn't, but it never really mm. took off as commonplace until the pandemic hit. And now yeah. all of a sudden, everybody's meeting is a Zoom meeting. Everyone's got 10 Zoom meetings every week. You're talking to your friends on Zoom. And now it's just all of a sudden it became such a part of everybody's life. Yeah. Like even, mm-hmm. even when I was in college, like, 15, 20 years ago, or it seems like it. Um, no, it wasn't 20 years ago. It I was 17. Um, but like 15 years ago, and we were chatting on AOL and semester, and we thought it was the coolest thing to occasionally do a video chat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, we still didn't like pull up a video chat every time. We yeah. still did our little texting stuff. Yeah. And you wouldn't go to work, and your Friday morning meeting is on Zoom on your on your phone. No, you know, sitting there but, in a meeting, right. pretending well, to Well, maybe some in. people did, but as far as in my life was, it wasn't. And so now it just seemed like because of the pandemic, it just has become everywhere. Mm-hmm. 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 So I was thinking also that wasn't there a, a, a new story in the sometime in the past year or so about experiments that were hopefully supposed to lead to warp drive? I, so yeah. On so that the, note, it, there's, the there's 
I think that Keith mentioned earlier, there's a big question of, are these things that Trek is predicting or are these things that people are doing because they saw it on Trek? Yeah, I think it's probably a little of both. It's, it's yeah, yeah, clearly. Yeah. A lot of technology in Star Trek has previously appeared in, you know, literary science fiction mm-hmm. or, oh, yeah. you know, um, or, you know, experimental technologies and things that they've read about and incorporate, but it popularizes it and it yes. fires yeah. people's imaginations. You know? Well, and there's a lot of other science fiction shows that don't have this track record of mm-hmm. either predicting or inspiring mm-hmm. these things to have happened. Yeah. And also, I think when you were saying it popularized it, Charles, I think the thing is they built they they literally, you know, it's a, it's, it's a redundant to say it, but or cliche to say it, but Star Trek treated it so seriously that yeah. there were whole things where we used to call them ray guns and on Star Trek. It was phasers. And, you know, you would have Robbie the robot in Forbidden Planet, and then you'd have somebody like Data or um, Robbie, yeah, Robbie the robot, and then a robot in Lost in Space. But all the technology, they treated it so seriously. You're right. A lot of people started going, oh, this is not just some science fiction gadget. This is something we could really do and use in the future. And I think that's what they help. So I've heard a lot of people who work in things like telecom literally say, yeah, it was those communicators. That's what that made them get into the telecom industry. Mm-hmm. Um, in our real life, my personal opinion, one of the things that we haven't gotten right yet, and I think it's one of the, it's one of the things that revolutionized humanity, is we don't have battery storage like we need it yet. Because we mm. think about it in Star Trek, they have a phaser that can literally take out a whole house and you can put it in, in your pocket. And I've read a lot of people saying they're still working on things like energy storage because you look at something like Star Trek and that, that would just change everything. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So the second question on Matt Sweatman's mind is, what is the least accurate prediction of the future that Star Trek ever made? So Ooh. now we're talking about things that they actually portray as being part of, of, you know, down the line of Earth history that we hadn't got to at that time and turns out not to be true. The biggest one in my mind, World War Three. Mm-hmm. We could do a whole story. We could do a oh whole my show gosh. on that Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> the eugenics war. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, World War Three, we're still a few years away from. So we, <laughs> the jury's still out on whether the, well, the <laughs> 21st century World War Three happens. Actually, a good question That's is: true. Well, did did they ever retcon it to say that the eugenics war and the World War Three were two different events? Well, yeah, the the eugenics war is supposed to be in the 1990s. Now, the original yes. series may have conflated them, but um, yeah, as of at least you know next gen era, next gen, yeah, the. The post-atomic horror was in the 2070s yeah. and World War Three was in like the 2050s or 2040s, well, somewhere in there. Um, so the eugenics war was not that. Yeah. So I think it did. Yeah, it did get I sort see. of changed to be yeah. two different things. So but they at least didn't have a eugenics war. <laughs> That's true. I, I read I, don't, I didn't read it, but I, I think I think I read a, I read about a book and, and Charles and Alan, y'all might know more. I read a few years ago that somebody had put a book out that delved into Khan and the eugenics war. Yeah. And the way they repurposed it was kind of like our real life issues with Al Qaeda mm-hmm. and Al Qaeda and so forth. So that the so-called eugenics war was more behind the scenes yeah. war. Yeah, that was the Greg Cox novels. He did a two-part con series Uh that, Uh yeah, it it wove Star Trek events with real-world history, so like Bill Clinton's in it and that kind of stuff, but also things like, um, you know, the people from Area 51 who were involved, or the people who were involved with the Roswell crash later, you know, were that that sort of relates to the, um, you know, the the sleeper ships that were being built in secret at Area Mm -hmm. 51 in the 90s. Like, it just wove Star Trek history and real history together in a really, uh, really fun way. 
Interesting. Alan, dovetailing right off what you said about, um, about World War III and what Alan just said about the sleeper ships, the thing that always comes to my mind because of Lost in Space is suspended animation. Mm. Um, they predicted we'd have that because they even said when they went in, um, in uh, Space Seed, um, MacGyver has even said that suspended animation on spaceships was pretty common. Because yeah. we, it took us so long to travel between planets, yeah. and we still don't have mm-hmm. that. And I, I'd love to see something like that. Because yeah, mm-hmm. nowadays when we have people die, like Walt Disney or somebody, somebody's got money, uh, they freeze them, hopefully thawing them out. If we actually had suspended animation technology, we actually could do things like that. Maybe preserve people who are terminally ill for <laughs> yeah. later on. I w- yeah, I'd, I'd be okay with the terminally ill people. I don't think we need to start saving billionaires for later. No. <laughs> <laughs> but they're the only ones who can afford it. I know. But yeah, even like on building next- rockets. Yeah. yeah, right. Even on next gen, um, you know, you have neutral zone where you have people from, I don't know what year they're from around, around 1980, 78, 1990, somewhere in that range, but right. they're just regular people. One's a housewife and they're, you know, <laughs> yeah. in, in freeze capsules. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, one that I think about also that, that we don't have by now is, um, we're still working on it and it is always right around the corner fusion technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Star Trek world, fusion technology is what powers the impulse engines. And, and some of the early ships like um, Khan ship and others, they were using, well, they didn't specifically say it, but I know reading stuff, they thought that we would have controlled nuclear fusion by now for spaceships. Right. And we still don't have that. One. And that, of course, not just for spaceships, that's for just power. I mean, every day I read an article about the French or the Chinese or have a, uh, achieved some incredible new milestone. And that incredible new milestone is like hitting the temperature of the core of the sun for like uh, 60 seconds right so well, we're the, so far away from that yeah the original series made the same kind of mistakes that a lot of the sci-fi of the era made which right. was that i mean mm-hmm. we went from the wright brothers to neil armstrong in 50 years yeah and 50 more years we're gonna be on alpha centauri and <laughs> right. no, we're not we're we can barely get into low earth orbit now <laughs> you know <laughs> well and and you know, the biggest, I guess, quote unquote, mistake that they made was thinking that what they were saying was actually going to last, mm-hmm. you know, like no yeah. one making Star Trek at the time really had an idea that there would be further series down the road that people right. would still be living, you know, this Star Trek fandom 50, 60 years later, and that they were making predictions that you know, people would still be watching their show when these things are coming around. So, you know, and it's, it's not a matter of um, lack of foresight or anything like that. It's just that they were making television for the people who were watching television at that time. Mm -hmm. They weren't making it for future viewers, future generations or anything like that. Yeah. So they're making it fanciful for the people who are watching it. Right. We asked all a question about the things that they didn't get right. What we were just talking about. Do, are we, I mean, are we even close to genetically engineering on the level that Khan and his people were genetically engineered? I mean, we can do stuff that we are not allowed to do morally, but are we even close to doing something like that? I think with things like CRISPR and things like that, I think they could, but I think, like you say, a lot of the holdup is ethical. Yeah. You know, right. I think if we weren't worried about ethics, they could be genetic and engineering whatever they want. But, mm. um, yeah, I think there's a lot of, of uh, I, I don't think people, are really clamoring for that you know i mean yeah. you can't you can't get people people buy you know gmo free food you know they, they sell right. gmo free baking soda which makes no sense you know like 
Uh, oh, that's funny. <laughs> I think the biggest one now, now I'm jumping forward 50, is it 50 years in the future? I think the biggest one they're going to get wrong. And of course, as you were saying, Alan, they didn't think that decades later, we'd be talking about the biggest one they're going to get wrong is warp drive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, and I don't, I hate to be that naysayer, but this warp is just not going to be possible anytime in the near future because of what it requires. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a science fiction show. So they certainly were expecting somebody yeah. just everything that it takes to warp spaces. Yeah. Well, really well, well yeah. And, and it was just a, a mechanism to get yeah. the ship from one point to another right. point without having to have half your season of them just being on a right. ship trying to get to their next destination. Right. The transporter right. is the same way. The transporter you know, is the same yeah. way. Exactly. It's equally impossible. But, yes. And also, no one would ever step into that thing. Nope. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> but I mean, it, it got the, you're, you're, I mean, by page two, you're on the planet. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> right, it's, right. it's very effective from a storytelling perspective. Exactly right. And what you know, one thing they got wrong in, in the opposite direction is in the episode Spock's brain. The only thing that stood out to that episode for me was the fact that Scotty said ion drive was even beyond the capabilities of the Federation. And we have had ion drive probes for years now. Now, maybe the level of sophistication, but ion drive is not anything beyond us. Because I remember when we had our first ion drive probes from nasa i remember thinking oh wow i thought we could never do that um they got that one wrong mm-hmm. but in the opposite direction that was the biggest factual error in spock's brain <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say yeah. he said the, the, the thing that the one thing that they really got wrong is spock's brain and i said other than making it <laughs> yeah other than, other than board, everything board. yes so so one thing that hasn't quite happened yet but and, and this is kind of going back to what they get right, but like the bell riots are supposed to happen in two years and the way that life no, has it, it seems like that's, that's entirely possible that that could be how the, it, the U S especially um, right. could be headed. Yeah. I think that the idea of sanctuary districts feels very plausible. Yeah. Where they could say, oh, and yeah. I think that would get public support that, Oh, well, just we've got a safe place to put all the, mm-hmm. the homeless and downtrodden and destitute yeah. people and yep. which has the benefit of you not having to see them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. So without getting too political, there were, <laughs> you know, uh, over the past year or so, two years, there were the big protests that happened. Mm-hmm. And what what city was it where there was a sanctuary city built mm-hmm. basically right outside? Uh, was that they Seattle? took over. No, Seattle it wasn't Seattle, Portland. was it? Portland. Port- it was Portland or Seattle, I believe. And, uh, and and they took over a part of downtown and just uh-huh. basically made it. And and it's not exactly the same thing as what we're talking about, but it's an example of it happening. Yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing, Alan, because in that case, the people could have done it to themselves because yeah. it was protesters yeah, yeah. who wanted that. They yeah. wanted an area where they could congregate. They didn't want police in there. Then people, the the authorities have to start negotiating with them. Like, can we please send in people to help you out because you're sick or something like that? Right. I can see that's the scene. We'll wall it off for your own safety. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty soon you're living in a sanctuary district. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. It's exactly right. It's like, well, since you so kindly gathered yourselves right here. (laughs) So, what if that was the kind of thing that's the first step toward what happens in 2024? I could absolutely see it. Crazy. Crazy. And that's funny because I was thinking about past tense just like maybe 
five minutes ago. And I was like, oh, I should look that up and see when that happens. Because I know it's recent. I know it's coming up pretty mm-hmm. soon. So I'm glad that you brought that up. That's yeah, good. And good. I know there's, there's they've put in references to it in Picard because you've seen it in the screen. You, the, some of the sign, the signage from past tense is visible in the, the when they're back in time. Oh, in, in yeah. the trailer. Yeah. So I'm wondering yeah. how far they're going to go with that because that, that they're, they're coming back yeah. to the same time period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. All right. Any other thoughts about that before we move on? Now we can go on for hours on this. I one. know <laughs> that's a great topic, Matt Sweatman. Thank you Very. for submitting yeah. it. Yeah. All right. We'll take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO network podcast show. And then when we come back, we'll be talking about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery. So stay right there. Hi, I'm Joe Heath. And I'm Tony Heath. And we're the hosts of the Watchathon of Rassilon. A podcast where we're watching through all of Doctor Who. And we're just about finished with the classic series. Depending on when you hear this, we may already be done. So why not go check for yourself? And while you're there, why not go ahead and listen to every single episode of the Watchathon of Rassilon? And watch as Joe loses his last little tenuous grip on sanity. The Watchathon of Rassilon, a proud member of the ESO Network. Spoiler. <laughs> okay, was that the whole, are you done? Yeah. Okay, uh, just making sure before I started. I, I didn't know what I was going to do until I went mouth and close it. I believe you. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so spoiler <laughs> for uh, Star Trek Discovery Rubicon, which I think is the, is the ninth episode of season four. It is. Yep, yeah. episode nine. Yeah, so what did everybody think? It was an episode. I thought it was okay. It didn't yeah. thrill me for some reason. I, it's something about it didn't kind of work. I, I, I know like what I was too conscious of. What was yeah. that? I, was, my, I had the same reaction. I think that, that was fine. But uh-huh. <laughs> I just felt like there was no, there should have been a more spark and tension between Burnham and Non. That yeah. imagine if that same, that same basically scenario was going on, but it was someone like Riker and Shelby the whole time. There yes. was so much more life to that back right. and forth and more tension yeah. there. Or even right. going back to something like, um, on Star Trek, you know, in uh, in Star Trek, in the original series, into the Deadly Years, not the Deadly Years, the Galileo Seven, when when mm. Kirk's got the you know the Federation guy there and he's breathing down uh, his neck, you've got two hours of you have to leave, right? When Ferris yes. is there, yeah. and it just created a tension the whole time, and I didn't, I just something about Discovery. I, I don't know if it's just it's just like a conscious choice, but they're always so calm when they talk, <laughs> and everything is like this, and you know, you like, know what. This I'm sorry to cut you off. This is so weird you're saying that because like I'm always I'm always reading stuff on the internet and one of the things and everybody has their opinion. There are so many people who said Discovery is too touchy feely that they hug yeah. them too much, Burnham cries too much, and I don't I, I kind of don't care about that, you know, because yeah. I'm I'm fine with that. But I will notice to your point about uh, Commander Non is Burnham hugged her when she saw her, and then at the end she hugged her, and it almost feels sometimes to me like they're trying so hard not to have those kind of conflicts yeah. that it was almost too nice. And I could finally, put, I could kind of see the people who thinks that show is too, and I, I, I need, I always want to be careful when people start talking about touchy feely because there's a whole bunch of issues going on there. It's like men sure. seeing women, you know, blah, blah, blah. But this is one time I saw that. So what you guys, what you're saying, I felt the same way. It's kind of lines up. It's cool that you like each other, but it's almost like they went too far. Yeah, they I were, don't remember they, anybody like liking said, non that much, to be honest with you, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just, I mean, next gen was known for avoiding interpersonal conflict. Yeah. 
But I yeah. think they would have done a better job with this because I, I feel like Absolutely. that that was the spark that was missing from the episode was between those two that you should have had that continual tension of that non will take command and will kill right. the person you love if you can't right. navigate the situation. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. But there's another side of that that right. I, that stuck out to me, and that is that they presented that kind of tension twice. Right. Yeah. And that was with Reese. Yeah. He was basically on the book side of the equation yeah. and voiced his concern twice about, you know, you know, about how people are against book and about how, mm-hmm. you know, half the Federation doesn't think the way. And, and both times Saru shut him up before the conversation could go very far with it. Yeah. And I would love to have seen that go a little bit farther where either he and, and Bryce, you know, had a bigger argument or had a a confrontation or if he questioned an order or something. Yeah. So it was like, it was like on both sides of that issue, there was a possibility of really good dramatic tension and they quashed it in both cases. And that the race thing, I mean, unless I'm just, unless I fall asleep, it didn't resolve. It just sort of went away as the episode went on. No, it didn't resolve at all. They were, it was perfectly keyed up because at the end you have that scene where they're ordering him to yeah to do it and yeah but it was like i don't know i I just felt like it didn't it didn't build to anything well it it reminded me of styles from balance of terror where you had the subplot with styles yes yes. but that built to something that tied into the story yeah okay but that one had to build to something within that single episode that's true i'm wondering if this is going to be like a Detmer season three thing mm-hmm. where it's going to build. Yeah. I don't want to see this go to the point of him jumping ship and joining <laughs> book and Tarka or anything like that. I don't want to necessarily see him be subordinate, right. but I do want to see some of that tension because it's a perfect illustration of the fact that almost half of the Federation representatives voted in favor of yeah. books plan. Yeah. And we have to keep that in mind that not everybody is in favor of Michael's, diplomacy angle and and i want to see that played out on the ship i think um what you're saying too is right i think what i felt was they were trying to juggle too many plots because mm-hmm. what i was sitting there watching when reese and when reese and um what's the other guy's name i'm sorry reese and bryce, bryce. bryce. When, when they start art it kind of felt like to me it came out of nowhere it was one thing to even disagree mm-hmm. with. he's like hey man don't tell me how to think like, whoa where did that come from <laughs> I, I know tensions building up but it felt like it came out of nowhere yeah and yeah. then i was like it's it almost did. like they yeah it's like they just wanted to write that controversy but then once i had it i thought well, what are you going to do anything with it but they didn't in the show and then while that's going on you got non doing her stuff and i and i think you also you said charles it's interesting this is one time where non almost could have been the quote-unquote bad moral and that mm-hmm. almost would have made would have made more sense. It's like, look, I'm here and yes. I'm taking over end of story. But it was yeah, kind of yes. like, well, come on, help me out. Okay, if you don't, okay, okay. Well, you know, if you order, I'm going to kill you too. Yeah. Okay, I know, but I still love you. <laughs> I will. I will say, <laughs> right, that the the situation between Bryce and Reese didn't quite come out of nowhere because there was the earlier scene with Reese and Nilsson, mm. where he said sort of the same thing, mm-hmm. and that's the first time that Saru shut him up before he could go too far with it. Which, I mean, that's his job to do so, but. um, Well, part of it, I think, is that you grow accustomed to these characters not having personalities. (laughs) You know, they're just manning their stations. So all of a sudden, when Bryce is like, you know what? I have an idea. And you're like, really? Okay. And and that's the other thing that I was thinking that really stuck out was that when he and Bryce were having that sort of disagreement on the 
shuttle. He said, don't act like you know what it means to lose everything. Mm -hmm. As if Reese himself has a history of having lost everything, but we have no idea what well, that yeah, is. We've never I, heard. He, I'll tell you, yep, he, they, he mentioned that in his other scene this season when his family, <laughs> like his, his hometown was lost to a hurricane or something. Or oh, a, that's or a right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 I remember now. Yeah. You're right. Um, but his I other mean, scene this season. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that the same is thing. so sad. The last time he had lines, he set this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it felt to me. As they sometimes say, I could I could feel the writing in this show. Mm -hmm. I could almost hear them mm. saying, "Okay, we got to have Book and Michael their love be tested. We got to have, um, we got to have those guys fight because, as you said, kind of like what they did last week with the with the boxing with the with the contest for the money. It's almost like they realized, you know, we really start need to give these people something to do, and it's kind of feeling like they're being wedged in. It doesn't feel natural yet." Yeah. Um, so I, and that's what I kept feeling. Then the thing with Nan and Burnham, I also felt like, I think what you guys said was right, which was there was plot C, A plot, B plot, C plot, and there was too many, and none of them were quite gelled with. Yeah, the but that's whole. that's kind of the standard for this show. I mean, there was one episode yeah. that had an A, B, C, and D plot, and yeah. that's not infrequent for this show. And I think so, it didn't it didn't it didn't gel well for me on tonight's. Right, yeah. I get you. Th this episode yeah. did feel to me more like just getting the ball down the. Right. Yeah, is it a field? A field that they run the ball down? <laughs> Are you trying to sports ball <laughs> down, down, down stage? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, they're wow. just moving the plot along and getting from the one storyline to the next storyline. And I yeah. agree, it didn't feel. I it was fine. I, I don't I didn't hate yeah. this episode or anything. I was glad to see Non again. I was glad that Bryce mm -hmm. had lines. Uh, I couldn't help it when, <laughs> when, when Burnham jumped in her shuttle to go peek in the yes. window. Peek in the window. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just couldn't help thinking of Captain Mercer doing a drive-by of his ex-girlfriend's cabin on the Orville. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's hilarious. That did feel a little almost, I don't know, something about that didn't work for me. You're right. It was it was almost like, it might have been the fact I had the Hallmark Channel on all day for other reasons. Uh, <laughs> it, it felt like almost like a sappy romantic comedy or yeah. ro romantic drama there. I thought that was a little weird. And also, maybe this is just me, as I've asked this before, is there are so many times that Buddy was doing stuff and books like, don't do that again. If you do that again, like, dude, yeah. seriously, yeah. can you like just lock him out of all command? Yeah, like, just let him stand next right. to the console and just say, "Hey, don't do that anymore." Swing flick. The biggest thing in this episode that bothered me was when they're in the battle with Bookship and it's getting yeah. it's sort of getting bigger and bigger until they're firing a full spread of quantum torpedoes, and the Burnham's like, "All right, non, come talk to me in the in." The ready room. Thank I mean, did you. they forget they're in a battle? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That thing again. Also, I want to say I don't think I've ever seen more sidebars in one episode <laughs> where every time something started to happen, they had to go to the ready room and have a conversation about it. Yeah. And it happened three times in this episode in the middle of big scenes. And I was like, is this the best time, really? While you're taking yeah. fire from the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Yeah, it really felt like they're in, in every every series has its has its um its identity. And and this series and these people, they're all about relationships and they're all about and I think y'all said something very interesting. It's as if they're they're actually doing the thing that Gene Roddenberry dictated for TNG, but more more obviously and overtly than even TNG did it, which was, you know, Gene, as you said, Gene Roddenberry didn't want conflict which we didn't have a lot of between the crew, but these people, sometimes they're almost going on the other way. Not only they're not sometimes, well, they're having conflict, 
but they're almost I don't know too friendly, too nice. Like yeah. they really want to get the emotion out. They really yeah. want them to talk instead of arguing. And I and I felt that again today, as you said, there was all these sidebars, and again, I'm thinking, but, we're, but this is really life life or death right now. Yeah. So I, I, I felt like it was too much of that. Yeah, you know, I'm like you. Know, I don't tend to have a problem with people getting more emotional or you know people right. they, they do a lot more talking about mental health which i think is good but mm-hmm. yes I mean, uh, mm-hmm. agreed i mean could we yes. I, but i couldn't imagine like if 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 roe came back to the enterprise d and the, and the, <laughs> the entire bridge crew hugged her what's going on like just take your station and say yes <laughs> and on right. uh, on a similar note from what keith was just saying their their plan is to take a shuttle and to get up close to book ship and connect and get on the on board the ship and they're going to take culber with them so they can talk him down but we'll have our phasers with us just in case i'm like just shoot them yeah that's what i thought yeah the same oh my here. god just shoot them phaser you can talk them down later yeah yes <laughs> you have to bleep i got a little too excited there bleep that word a cider's kicking like, in. Like, right, exactly. For F's sake, just don't pussyfoot around. Just, yeah. you know, don't talk. Oh, my God. It drove me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did like that, that shuttle sequence, though. I thought that was the, one of the more tense parts of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's. um, Yeah, this wasn't my favorite episode of the season, but it, 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 it moved it along. Yeah. So I mean, it was I'm, a necessary I'm, episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to not to spend the next few episodes chasing book. Let's get on to the aliens. I, I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm we, gotta, curious, we gotta. I'm curious to see um, the the half of the Federation that was like four books plan. Thank you. What are they thinking now? That, Thank that you it, that it happened and it's it's done. And um, well, now these aliens might be super pissed at us, but of course these aliens are probably gonna be perfectly fine with it because they probably thought it was just something that happened and while they were while their vac their vacuum went very po- very possible. They just send another one out there to vacuum yeah. up some more. <laughs> yes, but all the boronite that the first vacuum sucked up is gone. So now they have to work doubly hard with the new vacuum to suck some more up. So, so it got rid of the boromite as well? Because wouldn't the boromite yeah. just like uh, be in the atmosphere if the other one exploded? I don't know. I don't, oh, well, a maybe. vague on how this thing works. Is it just, just like shunting it <laughs> through a wormhole or... I just right, thought it was absolutely. kind of funny that everybody's mission was a huge failure in this episode. <laughs> yeah. right. They failed to catch book. They failed to stop him shooting the bomb. The bomb failed to work. Like, wow, this is a waste of everyone's time. Yeah. They, fa- they failed to found, find the power uh, source because the power source apparently is on the other side of the wormhole. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Nothing, <laughs> nothing really went right for anybody. No. This was not anybody's best day, yeah. except maybe Saru. Yep. Because he got a dinner invitation from Tarina. Yeah. Maybe. He was going to shut her down. Uh, yeah. What is wrong with him? Come on, Saru. Come on, dude. Yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was really good, too. I think, cool the, I think the one thing that I, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I should say I like, but it made, it was kind of, it was, it made sense, was Tarka is this brilliant super genius. And the most brilliant people still make mistakes and miss the most mm-hmm. obvious things, which is why he shouldn't have run off in the first place. Cause it never crossed his damn mind that the power source could be coming from another right. universe across yeah. the galaxy, whatever. And right. that should have been one of the many things he considered, but he is so full of himself. So yeah. I did like that kind of lesson there. Sure. Oh, yeah. That makes, yeah, that's a good point. And that kind of reminds yeah. you of the, 
you know, the genetically enhanced people on on Deep Space Nine when they we can, we can predict the next thousand years of history. Yeah, but you can't right. predict what this girl's going to do and ruin your right. life. You know, something simple right. throws you off. Exactly. Yeah. And while in for a penny and for a pound, yeah, I always I always like to preface this with I hate being that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> I am still not understanding why the the discovery can't jump outside the galaxy. They keep babbling about they gotta they can't pierce the get the barrier around the galaxy. The one that turned Gary Mitchell into a, a super being and blah blah blah. But there's a race of be there's one with that. Remember they mentioned that one race of people that yeah. live like right at the edge of the galaxy and they're they right. were getting maps and stuff from them. I don't know why the the Sporter network, the Mycel network, is not in our universe. Therefore, it should be able to jump past the barrier because the barrier won't exist. It should yeah. just be able to boom, boom. So I'm completely lost as why they have to keep, oh, we don't know. Well, just jump outside the barrier and now you get clear communications. I'm lost yeah. on that. But as you guys are saying, I was, I have, tr- I've driven myself crazy trying to understand the science of it. And there's nothing wrong with science that doesn't make sense. Okay. But this is yeah. the time. Yeah. I'm having, like, like uh, Veronica, you said with the Boronite, I was trying to make all this make sense and I, I can't follow it anymore on that level. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that the rest of the show was not engaging enough. And so I started yeah. finding myself nitpicking because I was just like, Ugh. Yeah, I, I liked the fun episode last week. I had a fun with that one. Yeah, that was yeah. a good one. Um, when when this week, when their science is sort of built around a thing called isolinium, yeah. you know, there's yeah. just nothing to really anchor onto. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, I am curious for what Veronica said. I am curious because then I think, what did Michael say? Something like, look like we got first contact, whether we want it or not. Yeah. So back to what we've said, and Alan, you've been saying several shows, half the Federation Council didn't approve of this. Do we have a battle fleet ready? I mean, again, so far as I can tell, there's only one ship in this fleet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There should be like Wolf 359 times 10 yeah, on the right. just waiting, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. So I don't know, man. Um, one one completely unrelated point. They keep, you know, walking off. I mean, not just in this episode, but it's happened many, many times, especially for the last two seasons, where they will go to a mission or go out of the room or whatever, and they say, Nilsson, you have the con. Show her in command one yeah. time, please. Uh, I just want to see that. her actually have the con, not be handed it. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, 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 didn't, I didn't think about that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, so, it's only Nielsen. You're not supposed to think about her. <laughs> okay. So also, also, okay, I'm on a roll now. Why even bring back Linus for him to stand in one spot and deliver one line? <laughs> Anybody could have delivered that one line. So why pay the guy, put him in the makeup and put him on the bridge for the only time this entire season and have one line? What's the point? He's probably setting up his more the dialogue. He has two episodes from now. Maybe <laughs> and it's very possible. I mean, I'm happy to see Linus back. But if you have Linus there and you don't do something funny with him, then don't have him. Yeah. Yeah. He blinked. <laughs> well, OK. <laughs> I think one thing that keeps coming forward is we talk about all the the other actors who don't get a lot of meaningful roles. And I'm wondering, and, and this is a thing with Bennett, with every series, you look at the original series when you talk about Kirk Smock and McCoy and oh, Scotty yeah. or so forth. And oh, I yeah. think the only show for many reasons that balanced that well was Deep Space Nine. And I wonder if at some point in the future, they're going to have to do something like that where you kind of sort of minimize Michael's roles so that other people can step forward. Because mm-hmm. if you think about Deep Space Nine, Avery Brooks was 
actually in a whole bunch of shows, he's not central in the shows at all. Yeah. There are yeah. so many shows where he's just there at the beginning or the end. And I wonder if they're going to end up having to do something like that to give, to, to be able to give these people powerful and long running arcs. Yeah. Let's, they could just do like old doctor who, and she could be knocked out for an episode. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you, you know uh, last week um, Oyen got a big role, and yep. this week uh, Patrick got a big role. Well, a ish, a big ish role, mm-hmm. and, and and I think it really took getting rid of. I don't mean getting rid of, but, no, but yeah. seeing the exit of Mary Wiseman and uh, Adira and Gray to for these other people to have room to actually yeah. breathe a little bit, right? Yeah. And I don't want to see. Tilly go away for good. I mean, I know she will eventually because of Starfleet Academy, we assume. Um, but, you know, so it was, you know, it, it, there's only so many characters you can have. Yeah. yeah. They, I think they are doing a better job of giving little things to the yes, they are. cast. But it, that's, that's all I ask. Yeah. It, but it's going to be the, the Michael Burnham show, just like oh, yeah. the original series was the Captain Kirk show. And yep, the exactly. yeah, it's going to be Burnham and Saru. That's just the which I think is kind of fitting because it's, you know, they started off as a 23rd century show mm-hmm. and now they're, now they're in the yeah. future. Um, yeah. So it, it, I like it, but I, I really did enjoy uh, OO's role last week. Totally. Yeah. yeah um, did y'all watch the clip from next week? Not yet. Mm-mm. Okay. No, then I won't bring it up. Okay. <laughs> I should have, but I didn't No, nope, Didn't have time yet. Okay. All right. So Alan, where can we find more of you on the internet? All right. Well, I've got another little podcast. I mean, yeah, podcast that I do called Modern Musicology. And you can find us on Podbean and Spotify and uh, some other places that I can't remember right off the top of my head. And I've got a publishing company called CosmicPress.com. K-O-Z-M-I-C-Press.com. How about you, uh, Keith? God bless. Hey, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can Try find me on the Okay. And how about you, Keith? You can find me, um, Alan. I mean, Charles. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> now you got to keep it all in. I know, right? <laughs> you can find me on the standard places Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, primarily the ESO network groups. And how about us, Veronica? Oh, 30.com. Yep. And if you're in the Atlanta area on March 6th, you can find us at the Red Light Cafe at 8 p.m. at the um, Sinful Sundays uh, variety show. It's burlesque, drag, puppets. Uh, we're gonna it's, we're gonna be performing there, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. So yeah. uh, if you're in the Atlanta area, come check it out and come see us. Do you have a closing for us, Veronica? I do. It's a very serious one. Uh oh. In times division, we identify. Oh wait, it didn't. It this I was reading it weird. Oh, I... <laughs> we are keeping all this in too. <clears throat> in times of division, we identify upon. This is a really weird wording. Take three. <laughs> In times of division, we identify that upon which we can agree, a shared goal perhaps that can lead to compromise. We identify that upon which we can that, that's real really weird phrasing. I'm reading poetry. It, it doesn't <laughs> poetry. sound weird to me. Okay. Well, it sounds weird to me. Okay. So the end. Great job. The end. <laughs> <laughs> the end. I love it sounded it. good when I read it. <laughs> to myself. <laughs> Love it. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper.
This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.